0: Amen. If you have elementary age kids, we would love for them to be part of what we have happening with our Vine Kids program. You can grab a seat and go out the side door or the back door. We'd love for them to be a part of that as well. Uh, we also have middle school age kids, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and that kind of <clears throat> range and window. We would love for you to be a part of our class. We've got a little, uh, little small group that meets out front there, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that as, uh, as well. <clears throat> So we're going to try and uh, reconstitute something that we used to do for a long time, a long, long time ago, when we first kind of were, were forming as a little community. More, more even before we really came a church, and we were just part of a community. Part of our heartbeat was really kind of a, a, kind of seeking God's direction and God's will together. And so, once a month, we would just directly following communion of our Sunday, which we do is communion the first of every month. Um, we would just take time together to sort of offer up prayers, uh, things that might be going on in our lives, or, uh, and I would kind of jot them down, and then i just pray for them. And we did it as a way of being kind of a corporate-minded community that said the things that God is doing in each of our lives matter. We recognize, of course, that not everyone's going to want to share, and, and we don't want that, actually. That would be, uh, that would be a lot. And uh, But we do think that if there are things going on that we'd like to lift up as a community, it's really an, an incredible experience to kind of lift those things up together. Also an opportunity to go before the Lord, sharing our sort of joy and our concerns and it's it's nothing other than the opportunity for us to go before the Lord and just say God we want to be a community whose heartbeat is knit together for you. We want to, to be known, and we want to know you. We want to know each other in a way that just says we can be praying for each other throughout the week and kind of corporately as we gather together. So I know that causes a ton of anxiety in a lot of people, like, oh, my God, then that's totally fine. Uh, does, you do not have to offer anything up, of course, but we just kind of open the floor, and uh, if you've got something, just kind of you know, raise your hand and shout it out or whatever. If you've got something going in your life, we we'll to pray for, or just something you want to thank the Lord for. Um, and we'll take a few minutes, and I'll kind of jot those down, and then we'll just, I'll just pray over them, and then we will dive into our, our word together. Those of you who have been with us for the past six years as we've kind of planted this thing along the road, you'll remember this was a big part of our kind of story, and I've been wanting to do it again, but it's always one thing led to another, and so we're just going to off like a band-aid, and we're just going uh, to do it. And so, um, as we transition into that, we will use let you know that, of course, I told you just during announcements, those of you that were in here, Peter and Chantel had their baby, and they are at home, and everybody's doing well. And so we told them that we would pray for Renna, Abigail, uh, and uh, we would lift her up and their family up as well. So what other things do we have um, this morning that we might be able to lift up together? Would anybody like to offer anything up that we could pray for as a community? Yes, sir. Absolutely. John and Gary Roberts' son, absolutely, we'll pray for your son. What else do we have? Yes, Miss Julie. I know not everyone knows Megan and Stephen, but I'd just like to offer praise for their smooth transition to Kansas City. Uh, Megan, Stephen, uh, Tim and Julie's daughter and son-in-law Stephen was an elder here and he has moved up uh, out of med school and into real work now and they're in Kansas City and we've been praying that they would find great Christian community and God is is extremely faithful right now obviously in all ways but uh, in their life so Uh, we'll continue to thank him and pray for them. What else do we have we might be able to lift up this morning together? Yes sir. Grandson Elliot uh, has been out of work for a while and still looking, and we're going to pray that God shows up and just opens up an opportunity for him. Yes, ma'am, Miss Jody. It is for our uh, teachers and any of our educators, as well as all of our families. Some have already started back. Those OKC kids have started back, and some are starting Monday and. Jody starts back and any of those other educators that we have and our kids up in Edmond and other places are starting this week as well. And that changes dynamics for a lot of people, so we absolutely will be praying for that. Anything else we could lift up this morning? Yes, sir, Tim. I was just to pray for the people who recently have come here.
1: Perhaps it's their first day. Yeah.
0: awesome thank you yeah tim's praying for anybody that's been here for maybe one or two or three times this is part of our community that god would do amazing things in you and that you would find comfort and rest in the lord and and that you might want to be part of whatever this thing is we've got going on uh we're, we're very grateful for that and grateful for your time thank you tim what else do we have anything else this morning we could lift up together yeah Curtis. Absolutely, those of you that uh, are know Curtis and April well know that they recently are going through an adoption that fell through, incredibly challenging and hard for them, and they're praying for what the future of their family might look like, what the Lord has for them, and, and we're going to pray that God would show them well and that they would trust in Him and, and hope in Him, absolutely. Anybody else have anything we could lift up together this morning? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Awesome. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to Oklahoma City if it's back or if you're here for the first time, but we are glad that you're here. Kevin and Babs are here. They're transitioning back from Dallas. after being gone for quite some time, and they're looking for home and community and friends and fellowship and life. So yeah, absolutely. We'd love to pray for that. Anything else we can lift up this morning? Are you raising your hand, Miss Linda, or are you just waving at me? Okay. Absolutely. Those of you know Linda, of course, Linda uh, is a wonderful part of our community, and she's going through a whole lot of difficult things, and she's praying that Jesus will be faithful, and that he would help her walk right and stay straight, and that anybody that else is going through those things, she would like to pray for them also. Yes, Miss Sheila. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sheila's praying in light of well, pretty much everything that's going on in our country as well, that we would be able to be a church that was committed to praying for racial reconciliation, for God to be a God of unity, for uh, Him to heal brokenness and, and men broken race relationships. Absolutely, Sheila. Thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Andrew and Cherry Rushing, as you know, have been a a big part of helping our church develop a heartbeat for fostering, adoption, foster families, vulnerable children. And they've got an important court date coming up with their foster kiddo. And so uh, we're going to pray that that the Lord would be just evident and faithful and present and he would um, give great wisdom over those people that are in charge of, of that life. So Let's take a moment. We'll go before the Lord together and uh, just kind of pray over these things. And of course, there are going to be things that I miss or that I do incorrectly or that people wanted to lift up that we didn't. And the amazing thing about God, which there's so many amazing things about God, is that he doesn't need our perfect prayers or perfect list. He hears a heartbeat and cry of our heart. Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes with groans that words cannot express on our behalf. He searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit. And so collectively, as we lift our heart up to the Lord, he knows Um, ultimately what we need before we even utter or whisper a word and he is faithful. And so we trust him even before we pray that he is at work and that he is moving and that he knows and hears our collective heart. Let's go before the Lord and pray this morning. God, I do thank you for the heartbeat of this community. Um, It is a flawed, broken, hodgepodge group of people that are not perfect. Uh, Don't desire to be Anything other than just faithfully authentic. And so, Lord, we do come before you this morning with a lot of things in our life, a lot of things we didn't mention or say out loud, a lot of fears, a lot of anxieties, a lot of broken marriages, a lot of hurt children, a lot of depth and hurt and struggle, and there's also a lot of triumph and joys and celebrations, all things that may or may not have been echoed this morning. But, Lord, we come before you as our King, as a God that we trust in and we believe in, who knows our heart before we ever utter a word. And we ask you to hear these things amongst the hundreds and hundreds of others that, of course, didn't get mentioned today because of time or whatever. We just know, God, that you are a God who hears. And so we come before you to lift these things up, Lord. We do pray for the Harlins as they celebrate new life and as they navigate life as a family. We Pray for all of our families here that have new babies or are due soon, Lord. Uh, we pray for you to prepare ways for their families, Lord, that you would let this community wrap their arms around not just birth families but foster families, adoptive families, that we would be a church that has a heartbeat for families, true, real families. And kids are not kids. We would be united, Lord. God, we do lift up Julie and Tim, and we thank you for the lives of Megan and Stephen and what they've been in this community over the years. We pray for your faithfulness, Lord, to go before them. That as Stephen navigates his medical career and, and and Megan navigates her new work life, Lord, that you would bring Christian people into their life to uplift them, that you would find a community of faith that they can be a part of. Lord, we pray and trust that you are moving in them even now. Lord, we're grateful for their their family and for the impact they've had here. We pray for grandson Elliot. Lord, we pray that you would just show up in a powerful way providing work, Lord. God, we pray that you would make yourself known and that you would be faithful and that he would find trust in you. Lord, we echo Jody as she prays for a return to school, both for our educators and our teachers and coaches and all those people that would impact the children of this city and around the country. God, we pray for those families that are preparing for that or that have started that process, God. We pray that you would be present in the life of our children, the ones that are in this community and the ones that are in this city, God, that you would make your presence known. God, that you would be faithful and that you would unite our heart that you would give strength and that you would give energy. We pray for the Roberts. We pray for their son. We pray, God, that you would have your faithful hand on him and that as he walks, he would know your presence. He would feel your peace. And, God, that you would comfort them and that you would love them and that you would, that you would make your presence known, Lord. Pray for the Haddocks, Lord, as they trust you, as they walk through the difficulty of uh, having adoption that fell through and having ridden those roller coasters of emotions and have asked questions as to where you are in the middle of all this. Lord, we pray that you would be faithful to them, that you would show them your presence and your way and that you would navigate their family. Father, for you know the plans you have for them. And so, God, we pray that they would not give up hope, but they would find joy and trust in you. We pray that we might encourage and love them as they navigate life that follows you. We thank you for bringing Kevin and Babs and all of our guests here this morning that are looking for real community, whether that be here they find it or someone or somewhere else. God, we just pray that, that we would find community, they would find community. You have created us to not walk this life in Christ alone, but you meant and created us to live in community. And so God, I pray for Christian community for them, um, wherever that may be, if not here somewhere, Lord, and those of us that are here for the first one or two times, that we might find something here or elsewhere that would fill the kind of created need for community, biblical, true community. People that know us and love us and care for us and will walk with us and hold us accountable, where the word is preached and taught and where you are glorified. Lord, we echo Linda's heart as she struggles and things and trusting you in her life. Well, so many of us have those exact same things. Life feels like a, a series of waves. It's just coming over and over and over. And every time we catch our breath, we feel like we go down again. And I pray for encouragement for her heart. And I pray for those of us that are feeling very similar things this morning. Well, we echo Sheila's prayer as we think about our community, not just this one, but around the city and around the world and the divisive heart that exists around race. And Lord, that you are a God of unity and a God of wholeness and a God of restoration. And there's a lot of broken relationships and there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of frustration and fear that surround race and the relationships that are involved there. But you are the great unifier. In you there is no, there is no male nor female or, or slave nor free or Jew nor Greek. God, everyone is one in Christ. And so Lord, I pray that our heart as a church would be to see unity, to see reconciliation, to see joy and celebration. Lord, we pray for the rushings as they navigate difficult court dates for their family, their foster child. Lord, those unknowns of the court system and what they might mean for them or for the future of their little ones. God, we pray for you to grant great wisdom to attorneys and judges and families and that they might be able to find great trust and joy in you. Lord, the truth is, this is just a mere scratch of the things that are happening in the life of this community, the people that make it up, just a mere few tiny tastes. But you are a God who hears us and knows us and knows our very heartbeat and the depths of our soul. You are a God, Lord, who unites people from all walks of life, who rescues and saves. You are a God who wants to make known your promises. And your faithfulness. And so, Lord, more than even our earthly prayers rec- desire answers, I pray that your will would be done. That whatever that means and however that unfolds, that we would trust you in the wake of difficult hurt. God, in the moments of great celebration, that we would fall in love with you. The God, and creator of the universe who promises never to leave nor forsake, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. So for those of us here this morning, God, that need hope, provide hope. For those of us that need healing, provide healing. For those of us that need rescue, provide rescue. For those of us that need reassurance, provide reassurance. For those that need comfort in times of mourning, God, wrap your arms of love around them. Father, for those who have questions, Let us trust. We deeply believe that you are a God who hears all. We deeply believe you are a God who gives us the gift of yourself. And so, Lord, we take our prayer time this morning and we ask you just to be God. And we trust you in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. Amen. So we're going to try, just for the sake of thinking differently about our community, to redevelop that heartbeat of ours. I know it takes some time, but it's, it's an important part of what we do together. So we'll be pulling that back in each month and, as part of our kind of collective heartbeat um, together. And, and so hopefully that will be something that, that we look forward to as a community um, to kind of share our time before the Lord together. So it is a really unique season in the life of our church. Um, we've been navigating this Gospel of John. God is doing a bunch of amazing things in our kind of space. We're outgrowing the space that we have. We're looking at what it might take to rebuild. We have about 1,500 square feet in the back. We're looking at what it might take to build some new classrooms for kids and adults. We're, we're trying to figure out how to grow best and and to be really authentic and not grow for the sake of growth, but just be truthful and, and, and real to who God is calling us to be and who he brings here as part of this community. We want to be really faithful stewards of those lives. And so you'll be hearing us talk over the next couple of months about our vision for the future and kind of where we believe God is leading us in terms of how we want to be an authentic community, right? So how we best step into the ways that God is moving and growing us as a little community. And so we're excited that God is, is doing the things that he's doing and we're really honored and, and grateful that, that you're here and you're part of this Thing with us I, I tell people all the time when we first try to start this little thing when God kind of tricked me into planning a church I didn't think anybody would really want to do it with us and so now I look around I'm like this, this is pretty amazing and so I'm really excited that we're sort of in this little thing together and that's kind of what makes us a unique community is that it belongs to all of us um we are in this study of the gospel of John. If you're here for the first time, we, we really have this high authority of scripture. We want you as a church to encounter God's word and we want that to change you. I'm not really interested in entertaining you. I'm not interested in making sure that you go, man, I I didn't sleep during that guy's messages. Like, that was a good church. Like, we want you to encounter God's Word. And so we take very seriously our opportunity to unpack it and work through it and live in it. And we have been in the Gospel of John uh, for like 69 weeks now. It's been quite the lengthy journey. And we have made it to this incredible milestone Today, because next week we're going to actually start something completely different in the gospel. So today we're going to wrap up a real short, tiny little section. It's going to be a short little look at the last three verses of this prayer that Jesus has at the end of his farewell discourse. So we're going to be wrapping up basically four and a half chapters of John today, and we're going to be looking to what unfolds next. And what unfolds next is that this angry mob is going to show up, and they are going to haul off Jesus, and he is going to voluntarily give himself up. They're going to haul him off. He's going to be arrested, put on a sham of a trial, and the wheels of the crucifixion and resurrection are going to be set in motion. But for the past three months or so, we have been in the same night, the life of Christ. John's gospel is, is focused on the idea that he wants you to know that Jesus is, in fact, god he is interested in you knowing the deity of christ and not the sort of historical person of jesus but that jesus is god and so he focuses almost a full third of his gospel to this night and we've looked at this farewell discourse which is this lengthy piece of teaching that jesus has for some time and he's going to wrap up chapter 17 tonight with this incredible ending to this prayer excuse me where he has prayed for himself (coughs) excuse me the disciples and then ultimately for you and for me, which we looked at last week. We're going to wrap that up this week. So before we get in there, let's take a moment and let's pray together. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm so grateful that you are bigger than my coughing. And my voice and all those things that feel so crummy. (laughs) Um, Your word is timeless, timeless. And is powerful. It is true. And it is real. And we don't take it lightly. We take our encounter with your word. We take it seriously. <coughs> we ask God that you would um, bless our time in your word this morning. That you would open us up to what you're doing in us and through us. And that, God, you would show yourself to us. Take a moment in your own heart, right where you sit, as we do each week, and just ask the Lord to teach you something. As simple as that may be. Lord, teach my heart. Whatever you need to hear, whatever He needs to whisper to your soul, ask the Lord to teach you this morning. Take a moment, pray for someone beside you or behind you. Maybe you don't know their name, maybe you do. Pray that God would move in them, that he would reveal himself to them. Be in the habit of praying for other people. God, we pray that you would be glorified and exalted in this room this morning, in our lives, in our presence. God, that you would give us your presence, and that just for a tiny moment, we might be able to feel or sense or see your glory. And as we look at your word today, God, you would move in us in a way that is immeasurable, that is amazing, and that is powerful and true. And that we would trust you and honor you. In your holy and risen name we pray. Amen. Yes, you kind of got to bear with me today. I'm feeling, I mean, good. I got this crazy cough. Uh, I'm not real sure what that is. A little bit of weakness, which I normally don't have, so I'm going to shake it off. I got Look at that. I got water. Look at this lady right here. Thank you. Very pretty. Awesome. That's my wife, so I don't just, just everybody 21 years. (laughs) 21 years. Can you believe that? This summer, 21 years. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awesome. It's really a miracle, actually, because um, I'm a real hot mess, and so... I, I was telling her her parents are in town. I don't know. We're just going to talk. For a her parents are in town, and uh, my in-laws are in town, and uh, we were talking about it the night, and we got engaged while we were in college. So I, I kind of met her, and I thought, oh my gosh, this girl's amazing, and she's really hot, and all these kind of things. And I knew I wanted to marry her, and so I tried to ask her really fast so that she would not realize there were other people out there that existed in the world, because I knew that once she did, that whole ship was going to sail. So kind of nailed nailed the whole thing down, and we ironed it out, and we've now made it uh, 21 whole amazing years this summer, which was pretty cool. So we're excited about that. It's great. It has nothing to do with anything except uh, that she brought me water. And so that's what... So this Gospel of John thing is pretty cool because we've made it to the end of this teaching. And Jesus is going to wrap up this prayer this morning with this sort of... (laughs) There's no really better way to put it than sort of the last will, if you will, or testament of what Jesus is asking. Now, you remember this prayer in 17 has got three major parts. It's got the part where he prays for himself, prays that God will be glorified in him and through him, prays for the disciples, specifically the 11. Remember, Judas has, has already abandoned Jesus. He's run off. He's gone. And so he has prayed for them, for their faithfulness. And then he's prayed for all those that would put their faith and hope in Christ from the message of the disciples that have gone out, which means he's prayed for you and I, because we are recipients of the disciples' message. They've taken the gospel into the world. If you are a believer, if you are here this morning, and you have put your hope in Christ, then Jesus most literally is praying for you. We talked about that all last week, and we talked about unity. Well, we stopped short, just a tiny bit short of the end of this prayer, because it just sort of worked out that way. And we're going to look at three small verses, as Jesus kind of lays out his last little will and heart and testament, if you will, for Those that would follow him, right? And then, starting next week, everything changes. Because next week, what we're going to see is that angry mob is going to come. They're going to seize our Lord, and everything is going to be set in motion that would define and change Christianity and human history forever, right? Set the wheels of Christianity in motion, but change history forever. The single greatest moment in all of human history is the event of the resurrection. So, we've got a lot of really amazing things that are coming up in the Gospel of John. But that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you've got your Bible, I do want you to open up to chapter 17. We're going to be in 24, 25, 26. Just those last three verses in 17. And we're going to look at them together. And then I'll kind of unpack them a little bit for us this morning. And we will just kind of go from there. So this is where we are. Um, Jesus is wrapping up this prayer. He's closing it out. And he says this in 24. Father. So Jesus has this close to a prayer that's kind of wordy at the end. But there's a really a couple of amazing things that I want you to see. And the first you've got to understand kind of what he's saying. So in verse 24 he says, Father, I want those you have given me. And then he goes on to say a couple of things. Now that translation, most of your Bibles actually will translate that as I want those. But, But really that Greek phrase there means I will or intend that. So It's not much different. You kind of get the idea that Jesus is is somewhat kind of pleading and praying with the Father, but knowing the oneness of that relationship, as we've talked about over the past weeks, it's not a stretch. Um, It's actually true. But what that statement really says is that, Father, I will that. I intend that. So not just like petitioning the Father for something, but he's actually saying, I, my deepest longing, my deepest intention, my deepest will— and so he's got this kind of last will, right? He knows, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that this mob is coming across the Kidron Valley to come and seize him. He knows that this is his last breath, last moments. He understands that. And so as he's closing this prayer to the, to the Father, he says, he says, Father, righteous Father, I will that. Like my last sort of longings and intentions and desires are really two things. And he prays for two very specific intentions that he has for those that would follow him. And so we should pay close attention, right? Because if Jesus is wrapping up his prayer to the Father, knowing that he's getting ready to be executed, <coughs> and he's praying for his disciples, and for you and for me, we should pay attention to what he prays for. This is what he says. Righteous Father, right? I want those Right? or I will or intend that those you have given me to do two things. One, to be with me where I am, and two, to see my glory. So Jesus takes this moment and he prays. He says, he says Father, I will, I intend, I desire that those you have given me, in other words, not just the disciples, because he had just finished praying for them, he's praying for all believers, everyone that will put their faith and hope and trust in Christ, right, because he prayed for that last year. Those that you have given me, I intend, I will that they would be with me. Now Jesus, of course, isn't talking about that piece of dirt that he's standing on. He's not talking about this sort of physical thing, like I want them to be with me right here in this moment, standing in the dirt, all believers from all time standing here. He's talking about something much different, and he's talking about something he's been telling the disciples since chapter 8. If you remember, he's been telling the disciples where he is going, right? He's telling them he's going to be with the Father, and the disciples don't get it. If we scroll back to chapter 13, we have this incredible interaction where Jesus is kind of explaining to them that they can't go where he is going, right? And so he's talking to the disciples, and he basically says, listen, my children, I will be with you only a short time. You will look for me, and you will not find me, because where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. You remember all that? We've been through it and, and, and Simon stands up and he says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, Peter, you can't go, but you can come later, right? Because he's going to prepare that place. And Peter says, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. I will follow you. And that's when Jesus says, no, no, tonight, even tonight, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. He says, but don't let your tr- hearts be troubled. Trust in the Lord. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what Jesus is saying. And then Thomas says, Lord, We don't even know the place you're going. How can we get there? And Jesus then says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And he has this interaction with them. He does this several times where he's saying, look, I am leaving, and I'm going to be in the presence of the Father. I'm going back to where I came from. And the disciples, thinking temporary and worldly, are are stuck. And they're going, how? I mean, where? I don't get it. How do we get there? And Jesus says, well, you can't get there. You go there through me. And and he's talking about access to the Father. And Jesus prays. He's saying, I want those you have have given me. I will those that you have given me to be where I am, which is in the presence of the Father. And how do we get there? Well, we don't go behind Jesus, following him or imitating. We don't go in or around Jesus or beside Jesus or walking holding his hand. We have to go through him. The only access to heaven, to eternal life is through a relationship with Christ. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as Jesus is praying for those, he is praying that they would be in his presence. And where is Jesus' presence? It's in the presence of the Father. So what Jesus is longing is that those that he has prayed for that put their hope and trust in him would be where he is. It means that Jesus is praying for you to be with him in the presence of the Father. Which I find really amazing, right? He's not praying, as I mentioned last week, for, for strength and for character and for you to be morally perfect right now. He's praying and intending and willing that you and then me and that all these people that are, that are placing their hope and trust in him, from those disciples on to all those who hear their message, would be in his presence. Standing in the presence of the Father where Jesus is returning to. But what's also amazing about that is that he's praying that we would be in his presence, right? And what the very essence of who Jesus is, is Emmanuel, is God with us. Jesus is is basically saying, I long for my people to be in my presence. And the reason I find this so remarkable is a lot of us think that the, (coughs) the greatest thing about Christianity is the forgiveness of sins. The greatest thing that, about Christianity is that God does not treat us as our sins deserve in Jesus Christ. Now, the, the reality is that's not the greatest thing about Christianity at all. That's just the means to an end. The greatest thing about Christianity, and hear me say this, is access to the presence of God. The greatest thing about the whole idea of Christianity or a relationship with Jesus is that it grants us access to the presence of God. Not simply that we're forgiven so that we can not be punished. That's amazing. But that forgiveness in Christ gives us access to holy, incredible, amazing, majestic, wondrous God. Which means this world is not the end. Which means that God, as he created us, is giving us an opportunity to know his glorious presence through Jesus. And so Jesus prays, God, I will, I intend that those that follow me would be in my presence, which would be in your presence, that through him we would have this life. And then he also says, he follows it up with, and that they would see my glory. So the two things God, I will, I intend that those you've given me will be in my presence where I am, they will be with me, and that they would see my glory. We think about it for a moment. I mean, when Christ was on earth, we just caught mere glimpses of his glory, we never saw the full glory of Christ. A couple of those are captured in scripture. One is the transfiguration. Remember that story where, where Jesus is on the mountain with Peter and James and John and for just a moment, his glory shone through. It says that his, his face was like the sun and his clothes were white as light and a cloud enveloped them. This is how Matthew describes it. A cloud enveloped them and God spoke and the disciples, the three of them, fell to the ground. For that moment, the glory of Christ, right, enveloped them and his face changed and his clothes changed and they were, they were shown the glory of Christ for a moment and all three of them, Peter, James, and John, fell on the ground. And they talk about it later, each of them, about their encounter there and how it changed them. But on earth, we don't see the full glory of Christ. This side of heaven, we won't see the full glory of Christ revealed. But what Jesus prays and intends and wills is that one day we would see his glory, that we would behold his beautiful presence. Now, I don't know about you, right, but that's something I long for in this sort of broken, shattered world where everything is, seems to be just sort of holding together by strings and strands, and it's fragile, and relationships are broken, and people betray you, or they hurt you, or they stab you in the back, or, or things that you thought were secure fall through, or the people that you had put your hope in fail you. And, and, and even though there's great things that mend those things together, the reality is that this world is just broken. I mean, it's ruled by war and hatred and disease and, and death and awfulness. And even though God gives purpose and meaning and joy in the middle of all that, I still long for this time where we will stand in the presence of holy, majestic God and he will wipe away every tear from every eye, right? That he will make all things new, that he will redeem the broken, that he will mend the hearts of the wounded, and that he will, he will bring back to life what was dead. And his glorious presence, right? His glory, Jesus' glory, will be fully revealed. Well, this side of heaven... We don't see really the fullness of either of those things, the presence of Christ or the glory of Christ. But we catch glimpses because God is so faithful. And so we catch glimpses of Christ's presence when in deep parts and times of loneliness where the world has sort of abandoned us or we've had deep loss or hurt, God comforts and he, he holds together and he heals and he mends broken hearts. That he shows up with his presence in our life through the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit who comforts and protects and counsels and encourages and satisfies. And that God demonstrates his glory through, through worship at times to the Word in those moments where we're just aching to see God and he, he just kind of shows up in this unexpected way and we catch just a tiny glimmer of his glory in someone else or in their voice or in a moment of worship or in a moment of prayer or rest or clarity or in the mending of brokenness but i believe what jesus is really saying here is that god i long for something so much bigger for those that will follow me i long for them to be in our presence and i long for them to see the glory which means that to be healthy followers of Christ, there should be always part of us that are here and serving and loving in this world, but there should always be part of us that is longing and have a deep desire for what Jesus is saying. I want you with me, and I want to show you my glory. That there is a moment, a moment, where we will stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, and there's a moment where his full glory will envelop us, will envelop you, And that you will be in the presence of Jesus. And I just long for that as a follower of Christ. There's no place I could think about another being. But this is what Jesus is praying for those that follow him. He's not praying that their time in here on earth would be spectacular. He's not praying that you would have all of your financial needs met. He doesn't pray that if you just ask for this, right, God is going to make sure that you never hurt again. He doesn't pray for your protection. He doesn't pray that everything's going to go your way. He doesn't pray that nothing ever is going to fail or broke or be broken or fall apart. He doesn't pray that death would. End. He doesn't pray for any of those things. Because Jesus, being fully God, right, knows what ultimately matters. And what he prays for all of those that God has given him. All those that would move because of the message the disciples took into the world, that they would be in Christ's presence one day and they would see his glory. Which means if we spend the majority of our time here on earth being dissatisfied, disenchanted, upset that we're not having this or that somebody else got this, or always longing for something more material, more worldly, more, 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 never content in our relationship with Christ, we are missing something that we are called to, which is an excitement about the glory that comes and the presence of God that is promised, both after this life is over, but we're missing the fact that we are given these things right here. We've been given the presence of Emmanuel. We've been given glimpses of his glory. And that we are called to love and be satisfied with those right in this moment. Yet longing for the fullness of them to take effect when we stand in the presence of Christ. If we're constantly not satisfied with the way life is going, we're missing the gifts that Christ has given us today. right? So he says, Lord, I pray for those. Father, I pray for those. They'll be where I am And they would see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Then he goes into this last part. He says, Righteous Father, closes everything out with this thought. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, right? The whole world does not know you. I know you. And they know that you have sent me and I have made you known to them. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have may be in them and that I myself may be in them. A very wordy way of basically saying, Father... There's a whole world out there that doesn't know you. My entire mission has been to make you known. To make them know that you have sent me. To let them know the love that you have for them through me. That they might know that love themselves and that they might have me in them. It's sense of what Jesus is saying. Which means his mission on earth was to make the Father known. And that they might know Christ through the love of the Father and have that dwelling in them. It's a heartbeat of Jesus. What that means is that He's given this same call to the church. The church's call, actually, and the followers of Christ, right, not just the Divine Community Church or, or whatever church you, you go to, not just the church, but the church big C, which means any gathered group of believers. The call of the church is to continue the mission of Christ. And the mission of Jesus was what? Simply from the Gospel of John to make the Father known. The entire mission of Christ was that they might know the Father through the Son. That They would know that Jesus was sent to the Father, and that therefore they might know the love that God has for them and might believe in Jesus and be saved. That is the entire mission of Christ, is that the world would know the love of the Father through the Son. Which means one really simple thing for us as the church, is that the entire goal of the church, this one included, particular church here, should be that we would make the Father known through Jesus, that we would proclaim Christ in a way that they would know the love of God and the love of God would be in them as would Christ's presence. In other words, we would preach the gospel so that people would be saved. God, of course, only does the work of salvation, but we should be doing the mission of Christ on this earth. And I think the church on some level, ours included, of course, and the big church, big C, we've taken this sort of singular, number one thing that we're supposed to be about and we have... Well, we've made it really complexly beautiful. We've added a whole lot of things, buildings and services and campuses and, and ministries and missions and, and, and programs and choirs and, and all of these things that are none in their own right wrong. Right? We've added all these pieces and all these things. And once you get all these things moving and going... All of our attention comes to the maintenance of these things. We've got to make sure they're moving or we're growing or we're adding this or, or this group is happening where we fix this thing or we've we got to move this building over here. We've, we've got to chase and move all of these things which have lives of their own, which aren't inherently bad. But what often happens is we get so in love with the things that, that are building up this thing that we forget the singular mission of the church is to live in a way that preaches the gospel so that people may know the Father because of the Son. If the number one goal of the church is anything other than that, the church is dead. It may look alive, but the reality is is that without the number one focus being, God, we want people to know the love of the Father through the Son. If our focus is anything else than that, if these programs and things are driven for any other reason than that, then we cease to truly be the church because we are no longer have the mission of Christ as our first priority. And the mission of Christ is really simple. Father, righteous Father, I know you, they don't know you, I know you, and I know that you sent me and I have made you known and I will continue to make you known that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may be in them. So Jesus says, Lord, I am, Father, I'm going to continue to work Right, even through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to continue to work through the church so that the world may know the love you have for them through me and that I may be in them. That's Jesus' heartbeat for the world. Anything less for the church's heartbeat misses the heartbeat of Christ. Now, all those things are right, wrong, or they're all they're amazing. They're not wrong at all. But when they cover in cloud the heartbeat of Christ for the church, which is to make the Father known through the Son. We miss. We stop preaching the gospel. We stop using the word as our, our, our movement point. We stop ca- challenging each other to grow and, and, and nurture our relationship with Christ so that we can live out there, right? We don't exist to be here. We don't exist to live in this space. We don't exist every program and every group to operate in our four walls. We exist to be out there with our neighbors in our workplaces in the cracks and crevices of culture, living the gospel in a way that says, God, I want the world to know you. They don't know you, but I know you. You have saved me. You have saved me through Christ, and I want them to know you. I want them to know the love that you have for them through Christ, and I want Jesus to be in them. If that is not your heartbeat for your neighbor, for your neighborhood, for your workplace, for your family members, then you're missing the call of Christ. God, I know you. You have saved me. I want the world to know you. I want them to know your love. I want them to know Christ. I want people to know what you have done in me because it changed me, and it will change them. That is essentially what Jesus is crying out here and closes his prayer. And then Jesus is arrested, just like that. And this work is left to the disciples, essentially left to the church. As followers of Christ, and I'll finish up with this, this becomes our central unifying call. That the world who doesn't know the Father might know the Father because of how he's loved us and they might know the Father because of the love of Jesus. I don't care what else we do from here to the end of time. But if we miss that, I want out. What should drive us as a community is to see the world know the love that's transformed us in Jesus. His glory and his presence are what we should long for. Not to build up storehouses here on earth or shrines to ourselves or even churches that are shrines to ourselves. But to know the love of the Father, to be content in our relationship with Jesus, to long for the presence that He promises us, but to celebrate the presence that is in us, to long for the glory that He promises us one day, but to celebrate the glory He shows us in little moments and worship and prayer, a hug of a friend. The glory of God revealed in those moments is a foretaste of the promise of what is to come. Contentment in a relationship with Christ here, longing for the fullness of God here. It's the beautiful life that we were created for. Let's make sure we live it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for just the window of time we get together. We thank you, Father, that you are, well, you're perfect, and you are the knit, kind of knit together these random relationships and people to create a church not just this one but that's the fabric of your of your movement that through jesus we all have access to the presence of god well the truth is every one of us in here has got sin and garbage in our life we have death at our doorstep lord it, it, it has developed us we are we are dead in our sin we are not sick we are not dying we are we are dead and we are in desperate need of a saving relationship with Jesus It will show us the presence of God the Father. There is no access to eternal life beside Jesus or around Jesus. It is only through Jesus. That if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, you promise us eternal life. But you also promise us your presence right here in this very moment. You promise us you. And eternal life begins today that we could celebrate that. There are people here this morning, Lord, that have never put their faith and hope in Jesus. I pray that they would come down after our worship time and just visit with me, and I would love to share with them about the God that changed my life. And God, for those of us that are sitting here this morning have been focused on a whole lot of other things. Bring us back to the simple mission of our heart and our calling, which is contentment in your presence right now with a longing for your presence in the future gratefulness, Lord, right now for the glimpses of your glory that we see, but longing for your glory in the future. Loving the life that you've put in front of us until we can stand in your glorious presence and be reunited where there will be no more death and no more pain and no more hurt and no more brokenness, but there will be joy. Overwhelming joy. Let's stand together and close our time in worship this morning. Thank you.